You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Welcome back to Four in Tow Podcast, where moms can find encouragement on their journeys through homeschooling. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is episode 27. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It has been a long time since I've shared with you guys. I hope you are all well and have been doing your best to manage your homeschool and your families and yourself during this really interesting, to say the least, spring of 2020. I have been MIA for two months now, and I do apologize. It's been so long. That wasn't originally my intention, but I took a break in order to put all my energies into a conference that I held in April on the 18th of April, 2020. It was my first online conference, and thanks to the help and the great support of Jean Miller from Waldorf Inspired Learning, we held a conference to encourage families on their homeschool journey. We had 36 attendees uh, for a webinar series that we did for several hours on that Saturday. It was so it was such a great experience for me and so well uh, received that I'm looking forward to being able to do them again in the future. So I took the end of March and beginning of April off in order to focus my energies on that conference. After which I have been really honestly struggling with my mental health. I have diagnosed depression and anxiety, which in stressful times seems to get worse. And the pandemic and the changes that have come with that um, just within our family have really done a number. Um, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just being honest with you guys and letting you know where I'm at, that I had to put everything aside and just really focus on myself and work with just being every day with my family and with my kids and myself and trying to cope with the stresses that are going on in my life during this really weird time. But I am back and I'm excited to share with you guys. I have been doing a few interviews over the last couple of weeks and I have an episode to share with you guys today that was actually recorded back in February and I did not have a chance to put it together until this week. So I do apologize if this is coming at you so late, but I wanted to let you I wanted to let you know before you started listening that this was recorded in February before any of the stay-at-home orders were put in place. So you'll hear us talking about going out into the world or conferences that we've been to recently. Um, my, my guest, Monica Burns, um, shares about her experience uh, working with school districts around her, um, both in her area, as well as nationally and internationally. And she talks about her travels, specifically her recent travels. I didn't want you to think that she was neglecting any of the stay-at-home orders. This podcast was recorded at the end of February 2020, before any of the stay-at-home orders were put into place. So without further ado, I'm going to hop into my interview with Monica Burns, founder of Class Tech Tips and an ed tech and curriculum consultant. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with Monica Burns, and we're going to be talking about using technology to teach our special needs children. So hi, Monica. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here with you. 
Monica, what are your credentials? What's your educational background for sharing tech with special needs kids? So I am a former New York City public school teacher. So I taught in New York City for a number of years. Um, I've been out of the classroom for a few, um, working with schools, working with school leaders. I'm talking about education, technology, and writing about it and researching and all those kind of pieces. And so I started in a classroom like many of us as students with an overhead projector as well as <laughs> right uh, transparencies and all that kind of great things and then transitioned into a one-to-one classroom, which just essentially means that there was a one-to-one count of devices per student. So our device of choice was iPad at that time. And now that I'm out of the classroom, I support schools and educators really using whatever they've got, right? So whether it's a Chromebook, I was at a district in Arizona this past week where they are also iPad one-to-one, right? So it just really depends. And I kind of get a chance to go around and work with educators in primarily the United States, but in a couple other international spots as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I, I heard you on Joyfully Homeschooling podcast and um, you were speaking about how tech can be used in a homeschool environment too, how you, you kind of helped define the moderating that. So I want to address that a little bit, but what I am even more interested in is you had mentioned using technology with your special needs kids. And I wanted to address that specifically. Could you speak first on the advantages of just tech in a school environment, in a homeschooling environment? What can we just for all kids what what's out there what are the advantages because as a book reader myself mm-hmm. i i'm like technology really but i use it all the time so mm-hmm. duh why wouldn't i have my kids use it too <laughs> right yeah <laughs> even if you have a novel that you're reading and you're like where is that place or who is that yeah. person right you're probably going to pick <laughs> up your phone next to your paperback book right and google yep. the answer to your question right as a reader exactly. <laughs> at the same time <laughs> and so yeah there's so many wonderful things we can do with technology when it comes to helping children explore the world. A part of that is preparing them to navigate online spaces and evaluate information and skills that really have to do with spending time in an online environment, which we know that if someone you know has a job no matter what it is, there's a component to it that has that, right? So you might um, have a child that grows up and has a woodworking studio, but they still need to know how to invoice and use Mm. social media to get new clients, right? So although their job might be or their career path might be primarily, right, in a hands-on crafting component, right, here they are really needing to leverage digital tools and know what's out there and available to help them maybe grow their business, right, or connect with clients. So there's so many pieces like that from a college and career readiness component that are important to acknowledge. But when we're giving a device to a child, right, there's a lot that they can do to explore the world, to interact with content, to learn new things, but then also apply what they've learned. So maybe that means that they've read that paperback book in their hand, but then they've pulled up a movie making tool and they've made a book trailer or they've captured Mm. their summary of that book. And maybe they've sent it to a family member or a fellow group of students on another part of the country, right? Or they've tweeted it out and tagged 
the author or the local yeah. library, right? So the scale of what we can do now in terms of giving kids access to quality content, um, guiding them as they're interacting with content and evaluating things, and then providing creation opportunities um, is really is really amazing. And that's where I'm always thinking of not let's replace this other thing that was working and that was great and that children love, but where can we find a specific value add uh, with technology? And sometimes it comes from supporting students with special needs, of course, but when we're talking about students um, with anything that they're doing, there's often a value add there that we can identify um, that digital tools bring into that equation. I really love your perspective because it, it, it needs, after listening to, like I said, the episode I heard on Joyfully Homeschooling, it, I, I really was challenging myself, like, this is something that has to happen. It wasn't something that when I was a kid growing up, I was homeschooled as well, and it's not something my parents ever thought to taught me, taught, thought to teach me because it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And in the day and age that we live now, I did learn typing. <laughs> you have to know so much more than that now. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I always think back to when I was uh, in school myself as a student, and you know, our computer class was a washcloth hot glued to the top of an old Mac computer <laughs> so that it could be folded down and cover our fingers. And we literally had our words per minute as if we were in secretarial school posted when yep. I was like 10 years old. And I have to say, <laughs> I am really happy that I have that skill. People still, like I can talk to them and type at the same time and they're mm-hmm. kind of thrown off a bit by it. But on the same hand, right, that's not really what, you know, we want as 100% of our time right. <laughs> using um, <laughs> using digital tools. Yeah, it's true. So let's talk uh, ways that we can help our special needs students using technology. Um, what What's out there? What's available? How can we utilize this for those kids who are struggling with traditional learning styles? Yeah, so there are a lot of, kind of large platforms, if you will, that have accessibility features built in that are designed to be uh, specific to individual needs of students. And so there's that, which I'll talk about in a moment. But then there's also just this idea that, right, if I'm talking to a child and they don't have a level of background knowledge on something, they struggle with their vocabulary for something, right? I can pull up a picture, right? I can show them a visual and I can have those kind of small, quick wins and teachable moments um, mm-hmm. that are just great to kind of think about how can I be creative, right? And supporting someone when they really need it. That being said, there's much more um, robust products out there and available. Microsoft, Apple, both have a lot of accessibility features built into their devices and their products. So I was at a school in Arizona just this week, and one of the resources I shared with them were the learning tools and immersive reader from Microsoft. So that's something where if you are using a Microsoft Edge browser or you're working within Microsoft Word, right, you can turn on the immersive reader of software, if you will, and that will read aloud something. It will change the colors if you want to have white text on a black background, if that's going to support a particular reader. So there's things that 
for people who don't need that in order to be successful, right? It's interesting or convenient or neat that, or isn't that going <laughs> to save me some time? And those are all valuable pieces. But what we're really thinking about with these accessibility features is the fact that it could really transform someone's complete interaction, whether it's with text, whether it's turning on, you know, closed captioning in a YouTube video and knowing that mm -hmm. that's an option for them or pulling up a podcast online and downloading the transcript because that's how they're going to access this information better. And so all of these pieces, right, there are specific platforms where you can turn on and off some of the accessibility components, like within an Apple ecosystem, um, having guided access, for example, on an iPhone or iPad can help a child move around a screen if they need that additional support. But then there's mm -hmm. also this opportunity to say, this is a specific problem I have, right? And this is an area where I know I can find a solution to that problem. So if I'm struggling as a reader with this, right, if I want to have closed captioning on, if I want to have my notes on the screen next to me as I'm talking, right, I can creatively use digital tools to address those specific needs. Okay. So can we talk specific tools? Are, mm -hmm. are, is that all right with you? So Absolutely. if I, um, I'll give you a few of the um, needs that I've seen with my myself and my listeners and some of my friends. So the the biggest one that most of my friends are struggling with is dyslexia. Most of us okay. have a child who's struggling with some um, level of dyslexia. Um, what uh, tools are out there? You mentioned the Microsoft Immersor Reader. Um, what other tools are out there for helping our children with dyslexia learn to read or participate in school? Yeah, so I would say immersive reader and the learning tools for Microsoft would be top of my list for um, children with dyslexia. And so mm -hmm. that is an area where I would say, go take a look. There's national and state organizations that focus on that needs specifically that have really embraced those specific tools. Um, so right there, the ability to turn on and off some support, change the color right of text as it appears on the screen, do a read to me or read aloud focus. They also have what you and I might have used in school. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a comparison in terms of a visual. Yeah. <laughs> it's that if you've ever had the almost see-through or transparent rulers where you'll follow yeah. text along like that, they have mm -hmm. that same type of piece or support built into that technology. So that's one area that I'm excited about because they also have some integrations with other tools that are really popular. So Flipgrid, which is a video response tool, has an immersive reader integration, and they're kind of growing with that too. So that's that's one area I would say, right, overarching, a great place to put some energy into taking a look at. And the best website for pointing people to just get a preview and see what it can do is OneNote.com slash learning tools. So it would be OneNote.com slash learning tools. And that gives you a breakdown of some of the places you can see Immersive Reader. It actually, and I demo this when I go to workshops um, with educators. So I'll copy and paste a portion of an online article and then put it into the Immersive Reader tool. And then they can see in action how the picture dictionary works or how they can oh, highlight so cool. different parts of speech and stuff. So from a consumption standpoint, so using mm -hmm. digital tools, tools to consume information, I would say that's top of my list. If you're having students create something, so maybe they want to make an ebook to share what they've learned. I'm mm -hmm. a big fan and I've done some work with the book creator team. 
okay. their website is just bookcreator.com. They have an app as well, but it works really well on Chromebooks too. So if you don't have the app, you can just um, even use the freebie version. And I would imagine from a workflow perspective, I would say as a homeschool parent, signing up for a free teacher account would be a great way to get started with that one because then you can invite your kids in. They don't even need their own email address. You can just give them like a little QR code to scan and they oh, join cool. your teacher library and they can make books in there. And that is a tool that has I would say since they were on iPad to now has really made a big commitment to accessibility features. And one thing that I often share when working with educators who are supporting reading especially or writing in the classroom is that they have the open dyslexic font built into hmm. their tool. Oh, so kids amazing. can type into the book into open dyslexic font. So um, if your listeners aren't familiar with that, it's a mm -hmm. font that weights down the bottom of the letters it's not a magic, right, yeah, fix for yeah. anything by any means, but it could be something that makes, you know, a 10%, a 20% difference, right, in terms mm -hmm. of a student's ability to read through text. So even within a family or within a group where maybe you as a homeschool mom are connecting with someone on another part of the country or different geography, right, or something, mm -hmm. you might say, hey, if we both make these books that our kids can share, can you guys make your book with the open dyslexic font? It looks normal, right? Right? Yeah. Nobody will really yeah. know the difference, but it's just going to help my child understand and read that book independently a little bit better, right? So that's yeah. just the kind of thought process and problem solving component that I'm always thinking about when even evaluating different tools and book creator as a creation tool. There's also a voice to text piece built in. So you can dictate oh. the text. If you wanted to write your book and your paragraph, it'll turn That's it into really helpful. Yeah. And I always, I joke about this often when I'm sharing it with teachers, like I, my accent's not terrible, but I'm from Long Island. So sometimes I get my vowels <laughs> a little, you know, a little different and Siri, when I go to text message someone like it's hit or miss, right? <laughs> Whether or yeah. not my voice to text works with her. But that one, I guess they're using some different type of technology. Always oh, works wow. for me, even in front of a big group. I'm not afraid it's going to say the wrong word, you know, or something. Oh, that's like awesome. That on the screen. So that's powerful from voice to text, especially if yeah. you're working with children who they want to write paragraphs like everyone yeah. that they might be interacting with and they struggle with that. So there's a big success and confidence component to it that I think mm -hmm. is worth thinking about, right? I don't see it as like an easy way out by any means, right? What's our sure. long-term goal here? And voice to text can help us get there. And they also have a voice recording. So kids could actually just record their voice on their book page and then they can press the button and they can hear their voice played back, which is really nice. Oh, that's cool. So when we're thinking about students as readers, and then as writers, that would be an area where I would say the immersive reader software from Microsoft is really powerful, especially with reading support. And then Book Creator, if kids are making something, has a lot of support materials that you can really differentiate where a child, even in a classroom of 30 kids, might all mm -hmm. have the same tasks that they're working on, but the way mm -hmm. that they output that or yeah. create their book might just look a little bit different than their neighbor, but you're all getting to the same goal, if you will. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I'm definitely going to be checking those out. <laughs> okay, what about helps for children with audio, audio processing um, struggles or disorders or... Yeah, so if you have children that you're working with that right, are having trouble processing 
any sort of pieces that we might put into that kind of listening comprehension category, we want to give that additional support. Um, one thing I would suggest taking a look at are support materials that have closed captioning or transcript alongside of it. Mm -hmm. So a resource that I really like for read-alouds, for example, is Storyline Online. I don't know if you've seen that one before, but there's a website and there's a YouTube channel and there's an app. It's all the same content. They just give you like four different ways to access it. Okay. And so with that one, you can access read aloud videos and turn on and off the captions. And there's the visual support that goes along with it. So they are an organization that works in partnership with the Screen Actors Guild. So there's actually oh, wow. like actors and actresses that, you know, your kids might recognize if it's like someone from a random Disney show that you're like, how do you know that person, <laughs> that Academy Award winner from 20 years ago, but they're like so-and-so's grandpa on <laughs> Know that's really popular that I don't know about, you know, or something. Yeah. All right. So there's all sorts of people that will kind of make you probably smile that you'll recognize even if your kiddos don't know who that person is. And so <laughs> they will really fun. And so they will hold up the book. Then the animators, if you will, or video production folks will take the illustrations from the book and just kind of make them move a little bit. So you have the animation component to it. And that's an organization that's partnered with some heavy hitters in children's literature. Mm -hmm. So you have Patricia Polacco books, right? You have um, Cynthia Ryland books. You have these books mm -hmm. that are ones that you know are recognizable or high quality children's literature and they also have teacher and parent guides that go along with it so you can actually download a pdf and get some activity ideas and discussion oh, questions great. so when i speak about that resource to teachers i often bring it up in more of a family facing way to be honest mm -hmm. because right there's there's this aspect of like plug and play that we kind of want to avoid here. Like go sit here and watch mm -hmm. that. Right. But right. I usually share it as a way to extend a reading experience. So hearing a family member do a read aloud is important, right? The pausing, mm -hmm. the wondering, the conversations. So it's not, a replacement for that. It's just another way to interact with text. So in a classroom environment, I sometimes will say to teachers, like if you know you're going to read this book and there happens to be a storyline online video, send it home like a week mm -hmm. before and the family can listen and watch together, especially for families that might not feel confident in their own reading skills. It's a really nice piece to have for them as well. And it also becomes an extension. So if you have read a book aloud to your children, right, a couple times, we know kids love hearing the same book a lot, yes. right, yes. which is wonderful, <laughs> right? And then you're, you know, in the car and you don't want to necessarily like, you know, just say, hey, go look up something on YouTube instead of fighting with your sister, right? Like you can point them to, here's a video of that book that I know you love. Why don't you watch this? You'll see the captions, turn it on and off. So that might be something to think about just from you know, a literacy perspective. And that mm -hmm. also connects to this idea of, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Joan Cooney Gantz Center. It's connected to yeah. the Sesame Street folks. They have a lot of research that focuses on family media, okay. family media engagement, especially um, with young children. That's a big part of their kind of audience, if you will. So okay. they have a lot of research and pieces there. And one of the kind of resources I've come across while looking through their their content and their research talks about this idea of pass back technology, which hmm. goes to the car thing, right? Where okay. I've got my yeah. phone in my hand and you're bugging the child next to you. And I'm just going <laughs> to pass back my phone and say, do something else than what you're doing right now. Right. Yeah. But yeah. if we can be 
really strategic with what those options are, right? Especially mm -hmm. right in a family situation to say, you can choose between this math practice game, right? Or you can choose between listening to the read aloud. We've got 15 minutes of the screen time here. It's going to be quality use case. I'm going to talk to you about that experience halfway through. We're going to follow mm -hmm. up and have a conversation with it. So um, if you know that you are working with a child that has some audio and processing issues, right? Thinking about what resources there that can support them, right? As practicing their listening comprehension strategies, the video component with the visual can be really powerful, mm -hmm. but there's also some great high quality podcasts where if they can, you know, work with a coloring book and listen at the same time, right, and think okay. about what's popping up on the screen, Wow in the World from NPR is one that's mm -hmm. really fun. Those ones focus on like burning kid questions like, why yeah. do snails leave a trail and why do my feet smell <laughs> and those kind of things. <laughs> and then Circle Round is another one that I really like. They have folk tales that are um, available for you to stream right from the web or from a podcast app. And you can print coloring book pages that go along with each one. There's a transcript oh, cool. so your kids can read along almost like a reader's theater. So those are would be some ones to think about um, within that particular category. Okay. Wow, that's great. What about children who struggle with dysgraphia? What what type of or even just math struggles? What type of things are available for those for those kiddos? So when we're thinking about resources kind of in a math classroom, um, one or just supporting math strategies, I do really like the resources from the Math Learning Center. They mm -hmm. have free apps and a free website, and they have gosh, maybe it's like a dozen of them that would be worth exploring. And so that's really going to support kids who need more visual representations of math mm -hmm. concepts. So their apps essentially take pattern blocks or math manipulatives or base 10 blocks, which may be something that is in a classroom environment, but might not be right as easy to get access to at home, at least in terms mm -hmm. of like all the perfect pieces or all the things that you might want like in a math kit. So for that um, kind of concept of saying, how can I support a student with kind of math skills, I do really like the way that they have different visual representations. They even have a flashcard app. They have kind of an old school abacus and then like That's a rectangular cool. array type of piece. There's also some money counting apps that are there too. So from a okay. math perspective, that might be one to look at. Not only are they free, but you can actually pull it up on a web browser. So if you're mm -hmm. working with, you know, you're working in an environment with a group of children and you have a television that has a smart TV or has mm -hmm. a web browser access, you could actually type it in on the web, let them see it up there and you mm -hmm. could kind of talk about it and move it around at the same time. So um, just something to think about as a creative use if you have a TV that has that internet connection, which now a lot of them, I think, just yeah. come with. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> that's great. Right, I'm going to ask you about one more group of kids. So I have met several moms who have children who just, with their various special needs that the child learns um, at a much slower pace than the average child. And one thing I've heard a lot of those moms say is, 
well, our child might be 12, but we're still working on kindergarten or we're still working on first grade. And so a lot of the um, schooling things that they're finding online or the apps that have first grade and kindergarten work available is all geared for five and six-year-olds. Yeah. What do you have any suggestions for kids who are 10, 12, 13, who are struggling still with the kindergarten, first grade level? Are there, are there, um, is there tech out there to help them? It's a really valid concern and a big issue when we talk about supporting students. And the same thing actually goes, the same challenge with English language learners as well, mm-hmm. right? So the yes. same idea, right, of that being a challenge. So it's a, it's a big concern. And so one thing that you may want to explore are some resources that are more skill-based. So Khan Academy, for example, Mm -hmm. we often think of Khan Academy as something that's like for high school math, right? That's kind of like how it came on the scene. But they have content that's from kindergarten all the way up. And so that's an area where I think that their platform is pretty friendly for students of all ages, even if you're looking at content that might be below grade level. Learn Zillion is another one um, that has content that might feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, there's other adaptive softwares that might be worth looking at. So when I use the term adaptive software, I'm really talking about using artificial intelligence, not in a robots taking over the world sort of way, sure. <laughs> but in a, my child answered this question correctly. So now the computer knows to give them this type of question or resource. They answered that question incorrectly and they struggled because of this reason. I'm going to now point them in another direction. So adaptive software is really popular for full school like deployments. A lot of times districts mm-hmm. will make um, big purchases and they will kind of have this as part of a blended learning initiative that they might have. So there's some bigger ones that might be a bit of a challenge to get into if you are kind of looking at a one user license. But I would yeah. imagine that if you are in any sort of state or local homeschooling network, that they might have a contract already with a larger adaptive software or organization. And that would be the kind of terminology I would bring to them when asking that question. Mm -hmm. Something like an IXL um, or something where kids can get in and kind of answer questions and move through a process. So there's a couple things that would fall into that adaptive learning category. But there's also some kind of one-offs that I might suggest looking at. You know, Khan Academy Kids, they have Mm -hmm. something that is definitely geared towards younger students. Um, So it may fall into that pain point of just feeling a little bit younger, but might be worth exploring as well. And so I would kind of keep that piece in mind of those, where can I go to get like a plethora of resources that's K-12, that's not going to be too kindergarten-y or too high school-y. I would say learn zillion and Khan Academy would be two where you can find tutorials and videos and reading passages and Khan Academy for sure is free. And I believe you can access most of Learn Zillion's content still for free. That's one that um, they've kind of moved around with their deployment model. Mm, yeah. Just um, thinking of it. Uh, so I'm in Pennsylvania and thinking of your licensing comment from a Pennsylvania standpoint, depending on your school district, if the school district has the license you may be able to approach your school district and it would be by district here in Pennsylvania, okay. um, whether or not they would be friendly <laughs> with the homeschoolers mm-hmm. or not to share that, but some would. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's worth looking into if it's something that you, if you really want that or really need it for your child. Oh. 
Monica, our interview is quickly coming to a close. This has been a fantastic interview. I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for answering just a few of our questions <laughs> that oh, we've been you're, having. You're very welcome. And I'll make sure to share some resources as well. And I know that um, my site, classtechtips.com, is really primarily designed with kind of educators in mind. But I know mm -hmm. that if your audience is coming in through that lens of looking for a new resource or a new strategy, right? They can take those strategies and make them their own. And I even have a book with um, activity ideas that are very customizable. It's called 40 Ways to Inject Creativity into Your Classroom with Adobe Spark. So it uses the Spark tools. And so that's one where you're saying, oh, I'm looking for a new project idea, right? Or I want something that's going to be a little different than what I've done in the past. That will guide you a bit through using technology uh, in that environment as well. Yeah. And, and that book is available on your website, classtechtips.com. Yep. If you right. go to the books tab right at the top of the page, you'll be able to find it. Awesome. What other uh, social media platforms can we follow you on? So I am on kind of all of them at this point, um, <laughs> even playing around with TikTok a little bit, which feels silly. Oh, wow. But at <laughs> Class Tech Tips is where you'll find me. Um, Instagram, I share a lot, a lot of kind of behind the scenes from travels or conversations with teachers. And so at Class Tech Tips on Instagram and same thing goes with Twitter and Facebook. So if your um, listeners are in any of those areas, they can follow along and get some updates and hopefully some new ideas to take back into what they're doing with their children. Yeah, thank you. And and you have a podcast as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So Tell I have a podcast. That. It's called the Easy Ed Tech Podcast. We're just about a year already, which seems wild. Yeah. So that's been a really great way to just share some actionable tips, some try this out. Uh, it's about 15 to 20 minutes each episode. They go out on Tuesday mornings. They each have a focus that's pretty evergreen. So it's not like, you know, seasonal or Valentine's Day activities or anything like that. It's more about, hey, if you've been thinking about this topic, here's a couple action items. If you want to get started right away, here's like the one thing you do. And yeah. so it goes through some tips that are designed to just kind of be bite-sized and hopefully actionable for folks as well. That's awesome. So you guys are subscribed to my show, so now go find Monica's show, Easy Ed Tech Podcast, and subscribe to her show as well. Thank you. Thank you again, Monica, for being part of our show. And listeners, I encourage you to reach out if you have any further questions for Monica. She is obviously a plethora of knowledge and, and experience, so please feel free to reach out to her. And thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition of Foreign Toe Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got a lot out of it. Monica is a wealth of information. She had so many wonderful resources to suggest. I really appreciate her time and I hope you guys have gotten things out of it. If you want to look into any of the things that she is talking about, you can find links in the show notes. Be sure to follow her on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube at Class Tech Tips. That's Class C L A S S Tech T E C H Tips T I P S. Join me next week for another episode of Foreign Toe Podcast. Until next time, have a great homeschool week, and remember, Mama, you've got this.